This is the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. That's where all of the written stories are. It's not just a podcast. Uh, game notebooks, previews, reviews, uh, film stories, all sorts of good stuff over there as we continue into basketball season. Uh, we get a little bit of a breather, at least I do, <laughs> this week. Parker gets one next week with the men's team currently off. Uh, they get six days between games before being, returning to action next Saturday at Boise State. We're going to talk about that one on a future dedicated episode previewing that game coming later this week. Um, Parker gets a, uh, a bye week from the women's team next week or uh, after this Wednesday. Uh, but we've got some basketball here to talk about. We're going to talk a, lot, a, a little bit about Aggies in the pros because there are some pretty notable ones that we're going to go through. Um, and I'm joined, as I have kind of alluded to, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? What's up, Patrick? Um, I'm super stoked for you that you, that you, uh, you get your bye week. Uh, um, yes. I am looking forward to mine as well. Um, two games a week is a lot and it's not just a lot for the players. Um, I know it's, uh, I love, I love what I do and it's really, really fun. Um, but two games a week is a lot. So I'm looking forward to the break. Um, but until then I'm sure I'll get to the break and then wish I had, um, basketball to watch Mm -hmm. and, you know, or, or, you know, something to do. Um, but I'll, I will try to be grateful for that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been busy. It's been awesome. Lots of basketball and, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the best. You can never have too much basketball, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, the bye week is not just for the players and the coaches. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 we've been, uh, we've been grinding out some tough wins here <laughs> in, in the, in the content factory. We've just, just been, you know, relying on our fundamentals, trying to get through, trying to get to the time, <laughs> trying to get to a break so we can replenish our, our, our poor brains. Um, yeah. The, yeah, uh, that's yeah, about right. yeah. Two two games a week, and not only that, but two like important games every week. It is it is a lot. But conference season uh, comes the same every year. It is always like this. It will always be like this, and that is good. It is a good thing that conference season is this uh, high octane, this intense, this important, because um, it means at least on the men's basketball side of things that you're doing well. It means that yeah. you're in a good conference yeah. and that you are competing within that conference and that you are playing important games. Playing important games is always a good thing. It is never bad to be playing important games. Um, and we're going to start this episode with the men's basketball side of things. We're going to talk about women's basketball as well, but, uh, we'll, we'll start with the, <laughs> we'll start with the good news. Um, the, uh, the men's team, as I, as I, said is competing still atop the mountain west uh, as they enter this bye week they are five and one in conference play which is in a i think currently the lead for first in the mountain west could be tied after this week because boise state is four and one and plays fresno state on the road uh, tuesday or wednesday i think um but right there at the top of the league through six games um, continuing to exceed expectations, continuing to to play well. Uh, we've got three games to talk about here since the last time we recorded. Uh, the former two we're we're gonna talk through, but not quite in you know full detail because like it's it's been a minute, and I think that 
going back 10 days or whatever it is to talk in detail about about a game is is you know I don't know how much interest you all would have in that but uh yeah. we'll uh, we'll we'll start here with uh we're going we're going to go in just you know sequential order um so that means that we will start with January 13th in the Thomas and Mack Center Utah State 87 UNLV 86 um this uh <laughs> certainly a game that has that that sparked in the moment and and somehow even now that it's the 22nd, uh, <laughs> continues to spark controversy yeah. and debate. And UNLV fans replying to me as if I have any control at all over anything that happens on a basketball court with or without Utah State involved. I don't have any say in it. I'm just I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing anything. I can't. There's no I have no impact on this. Um, still, they're still letting me hear about it though. Um, Utah state wins a, uh, a wild one in, in Vegas on, uh, I I think probably the place to start with this game is the end of it is the five point play. Uh, Darius Brown to refresh your memory. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure people have a pretty good idea of what happened in this game because it was pretty significant. It's not one that you're going to forget anytime soon, but Darius Brown knocks down a three with Utah state trailing by four, I think eight seconds left. Um, and uh, as the three is in the process of going in, Great Osabor is fouled away from the ball by Caleb Boone, uh, steps up to the free throw line, knocks down two free throws. Controversial call, call that uh, has been has been talked about plenty and was talked about plenty at the time. But Utah State does what it needs to do down the stretch here to get a win in a game that I, I think the over the overwhelming feeling I had about this game, watching it and writing about it, was that this was absolutely not a game Utah State should have won. This is a game you lose. This is this is a this is a this is a style of game. This is an archetype of game that you just you lose. Uh, they were trailing for the entire game. They they spent 39 minutes behind. Um, they did well to stay in it. They, they fought through quite a bit of adversity. They, they erased a 13 point second half deficit. They played well down the stretch. They played really well down the stretch and found a way to keep themselves in it. But this almost always this game state, this specific style of game on the road against a a UNLV team that is playing really, really well and, and really impressed me with, with what they did in this one. Um, you usually you 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 lose that game, <laughs> and it's it's Utah State found a way to win, and it was a very bizarre way to win, and and I, I think that you know we can talk about the the actual you know the the call a, a little bit, but like this usually you lose this game, and Utah State found a way to win it, and that is that's huge. <laughs> that's a huge deal. You, yeah, you got to get if you want to compete a top pretty much any conference, but especially this one, there's one that's, that's so strong, um, stealing one, not that they, not, not in the, <laughs> not in the, the conspiracy sense, not in the <laughs> like, Oh, they actually physically, they were, they robbed them. They took the game away. It was, uh, you know, the, is there needs to be an FBI investigation into this, but in the traditional sports sense, stealing one on the road that you probably shouldn't have won in the mountain West makes a, 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 a world of difference. It is a huge, huge, win for for Utah State to get this done even in the fashion that it did yeah that is that's absolutely right I mean this is a game where like the buzzer sounded and like after after kind of like the adrenaline of comprehending what just happened and and the excitement wore off the the feeling I just walked away from 
this with was just like i'll take it like that's yep (laughs) i'll take it it was a i mean yeah like you said we'll get into the call um you know that 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 foul call on you know for for great osborne but like it's it's just one of those like you you have to give credit where credit is due utah state did fight back they did score more points in the allotted time um this is absolutely a game where if it was two minutes longer or two minutes shorter UNLV wins it. It, it was it, we we led the game for like eight seconds total, and yep. it was just the right eight seconds. Yep. Um, and I think there's there's something to that. I think there that the team deserves credit for picking the right eight seconds to lead. Yeah. Um, if it were the other way around, and we scored a bucket off the tip off, and then trailed the rest of the game, the conversation would be completely which, different. And which is be, uh, which is pretty much pretty much what happened in the game that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly what happened at at the pit. Um, But the conversation is completely different. It's just a good old fashioned, you know, a little bit of a beatdown. Like you were, you trailed the whole game. Um, They picked the right seconds, the right eight seconds to to lead by. Um, But it really was like, it's hard to give them too much credit. I mean, no, it's not. Like you got to give them credit. They won the game. They scored more points. Um, And and to be completely fair, to you know. UNLV got the ball back with eight seconds. They had a shot. Eight seconds is a lot of time. They had a pretty good they drew shot. Up probably though, yeah, I mean, they drew up a play that I didn't understand, um, but they had a shot. I mean, eight, eight seconds is a long time. Uh, Great Osborne still had to go to the line, hit his free throws. Uh, Darius Brown still had to sink that three. I yeah. mean, they earned it. They, they really did earn it. You can talk about the call, whether it is usually called, whether it's usually not called. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, we will. But for me, I mean, I'm one that you're rarely, rarely going to hear me complain about the refs. The only complaint I have is, you know, inconsistency or when they, you know, the Mountain West referees in particular have a have a tendency to make themselves part of the game more than I would appreciate. Yeah. But other than that, like you're almost never going to hear me say that a referee decided the outcome of the game. That's just not really how basketball works. I understand the optics of this one. The ending looks like yeah. the referees have a huge impact on this game, but I, I really don't think the referees impact games the way that people think they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a big, I'll take it. Like it was, it was very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, this is kind of what I, what I said at the time, like all 40 minutes of a basketball game count the same it is it is it's not you don't get to you don't get to win because you were better for the majority of minutes it's not scored on aggregate yeah. it is it's there's yeah. there's a scoreboard and it's a zero sum you either have more points or you don't and the the final score is not the result of one play or one moment or one sequence it is it's 40 minutes and you know if you did not if you hadn't seen the game if you didn't know how it ended and you just looked at the stats you would think Okay, yeah, that makes sense that Utah State won that game. They 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 shot better. They hit ten threes. They won the rebounding battle. Um, fouls were pretty even, even though UNLV had five more shots at the free throw line. Um, that's okay. UNLV played well. U- Utah State also played well. It got big time performances from Ian Martinez and Great Osibor, and uh, that that yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so that that kind of weighs more with me than the just the final moments because like a basketball game has so many moments and at any point like utah state won the moments that it needed to win and did enough to win the game unlv had 30 shots at the free throw line and missed seven of them if you hit 
two more of those, you win the game. You they're free. <laughs> You're at the line. Yeah. Utah yeah. State was twenty three or twenty five, and UNLV was twenty three or thirty. There's your difference. That's not nobody's complaining about that. Nobody's complaining about UNLV missing seven free throws. Hit your free throws, and you win the game. Sorry, I don't yeah. know what to tell yeah. you. You shot thirty six percent in the second half. Shoot better. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It all counts the same. Just because it happened at the end doesn't mean that it matters any any more or less. The game is the game. It, it all yeah, absolutely. It, it all lasts that long. Nobody made UNLV give up a, a truly unbelievable and extremely dominant second half to Great Osibor. Uh Finished yeah. with twenty four points. Andy and Martinez. Four, yeah, Andy and Martinez. Uh, Osibor finished with twenty four points, fourteen rebounds, four assists, two blocks. Um, most of those stats, most of the positive stats came in the second half. He only had one turnover in the second half too. He had like 20 points and, and I don't remember the exact, I think it was like 11 rebounds in the second half alone, played 39 minutes. Um, he was awesome. He was awesome. He was, he was as good as he needed to be down the stretch of this game. They needed every single bit that they got from him. And uh, I, I think that the battle in the post between him and Caleb Boone absolutely lived up to to even the loftiest expectations. It was it was fantastic. It, it was like a heavyweight heavyweight boxing match between those two, just going back and forth and back and forth. And they weren't always defending each other, which I think was a big deal for Utah State in the second half. That Khalifa Sacco was able to step up and really hold his own and, and, and outright yeah. win quite a few individual battles with a, a really, really good player in Caleb Boone. And I think that that freed great up in the second half to do more work offensively. And he, he did plenty of it. Um, but I, I thought that battle was great. I thought that the, the back and forth between Ian Martinez and Luis Rodriguez was really good. Martinez was excellent in this game as he has been on the road pretty much all season for Utah state yeah. His his, uh, I pulled them, I think after, either after this game or after the New Mexico game, I don't remember, but his road versus home splits are like, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's not usually how it, how it works, but he's averaging, yeah. he's averaging like 18 or 19 points on the road and shooting like almost 60% from the field. And then at home, he's at like nine points a game. <laughs> like yeah. Just kind of, Which is funny. I yeah. think Mason Falslev has a pretty, am I, am I remembering that where he's has a pretty drastic split yes. that way as well, but it, it's the way that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's the um, one that usually is the case, but uh, not Ian yeah. Martinez. Ian Martinez just really they, likes to they be the balance villain, each other I guess. Out. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a road warrior, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a good player to have. It's a really really good player to have if you yeah. can find him. Yeah. Um, but he was awesome. He he just you know six of eight from three. Hard to complain too much about that. And it seemed like you know at some point he was going to do that this season, and this just happened to be the game that he did it, and he picked a good spot for it. Um, but I, I thought, you know, the, the final, the, the, the final sequence there, I, I mean, I didn't really have an issue with the foul call. I, I, I get that like it could have gone either way. And in that spot, yeah, that's a, that's a tough call, you know, away from the ball, but like it was a foul. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you can't really change what the rules of the game are depending on the time of game. I, I think that it was a foul. It was, it was pretty clear contact and you can't you just can't do that you have to if you're if you're Caleb Boone you have to play with a little bit more awareness of the moment and understanding like hey if I uh, just let this guy through to get the offensive rebound the best he can do is two points and that's fine we're up by four I don't really need to uh, put my entire body into him while he's trying to get into the paint. It would not be the end of the world if he gets the ball. Even if he scores and draws a foul, the maximum is three points. 
The only thing I really can't do here is foul him while the three-pointer is in the air. Um, <laughs> give him two free throws. You kind of yeah. Caleb Boone is also involved in the play, and putting yourself in that situation is not. You can't do that. You he's this guy's been playing college basketball for a decade now. It seems like you got to, you got to know better. <laughs> you have to know better. Great Osibar made made a really smart play and understood like. You need to. He needs to put himself in a position here to to try and make a play, whether that's as an offensive rebounder or just getting to the mix and the paint. And he was, you know, his effort was rewarded. And that's yeah, it's that's how basketball is. Sometimes when you play hard and when you play with that kind of effort, you will be rewarded. And I think that Utah State's effort down the stretch was deserving of the result, even if the game usually probably goes the other way. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot to add on that. You know, that the, the foul call specifically, um, I would just, you know, to play off that, it's, you know, to play off everything you said, it's a call that nobody cares about if it's at any other time in the game. Yeah. Uh, if it's not called with eight seconds left, it gets no more than an eye roll from from the Lobo faithful. It's just, the, the I, I don't have faithful. a huge problem yeah. with it. I, the the I Lobo understand. faithful are probably also upset about it, but the Rebel faithful in this case, yeah. Yes, yes. My uh, my mistake. Um, the the Bronco faithful was very very upset. Oh, about they were it, furious for some <laughs> reason. Um, yeah, and then they like lost the to whole, UNLV at home. Unclear yeah, why so, they did that. Yeah. Should have won that game. I'm Sorry, not, guys. <laughs> I'm not sure why they lost that game either. I don't, what were they thinking? Um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely a call. Like I see the frustration, but it's it. It is what it is, and yeah. it was also ten days ago. So yeah, it was I don't ten, know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah. Like it's in the past. Utah State has gone one and one in the following games. Like it, we're all we've all moved on. It's yeah. fine. Like yeah, the, it's okay. The bad call was the was the Mason false live out of bounds call. That was wrong. That was Utah State got away, got away with one there. <laughs> I'll, that I'll was that one. very interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. Danny Sprinkle even said as much after the game. He's like, I don't well, know what to make game, of that? Game's over. We won. I don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. It seemed pretty clear. I, I wasn't at the stadium. I don't, I don't think you did before. We were probably both watching at home. Yeah. Um, it looked, it looked, it looked like he was out on Mason Foslett, but I don't know yeah. what well, I don't know what they were looking at. But well, sometimes that's how the ball bounces, I guess. Um, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next up, continuing with the the two game road trip, uh, we I think we said on this show going into these two games that if Utah State splits them, it should be it should be pretty happy. That's a successful road trip to take one of two yeah. against a pair of, you know, a pair of solid, uh, it's somewhere between solid and very good Mountain West teams, tough yeah. places to yeah. win. The second one being New Mexico and Utah State splits them. Utah State falls at New Mexico 99 to 86. Um, just, just, you know, kind of a flush it game. I think for Utah State was not, it was not pretty. It was. It, it looked briefly in the second half like it was going to be a game. Ian Martinez did his best to make a game of it, knocking down a pair of threes. Also had uh, three free throws on another uh, attempt from deep where he draws a foul on, on Jalen House. Um, they were within seven and I think had a look at the basket for Darius Brown that could have brought it to four, but the, the shot doesn't fall. And New Mexico, which was better all game, and, and Utah State really didn't have a great answer for, uh, eventually pulls away and, and gets, I think, a fairly representative result. Ultimately, not the end of the world. I, I don't think for Utah State it is a it is an understandable result. Losing at the pit is not really a, a shameful 
you know, a shameful thing to have happen. Happens to a lot yeah. of teams. Happens to most yeah. teams. It is yeah. it's a hard place to play, and it's, yeah. it, it has the reputation it has for a reason. And New Mexico, yeah, it happens like, to ranked teams. And yeah, it has it a happened, few times this year already. <laughs> yeah, so. it happened to San Diego State like one game ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like the one game, game prior. Yeah. yeah, pretty much the yeah. exact same thing that happened in that game. Um, New Mexico is really good. They're <laughs> it's a really talented team. And when they get rolling at home, they're very hard to deal with. Um, yep. I, I don't think that Utah State, despite the, you know, it not being like, it's not a disastrous result. They're fine. It's it's a road loss to a really good team and probably a tournament team. You yeah. can live with that. Yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully a tournament team. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But, I mean, but, you're talking about, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was, despite that, I will say, I don't know that Utah State exactly uh, covered itself in glory here. I think that this was kind of a, it was it was a it was a pretty ugly game uh, defensively especially I don't think that and Danny Sprinkle has said as much like he's fine with a loss uh, I think his exact I don't remember his exact phrasing but like a, a loss on the road like that doesn't really bother him but the way that that it happened bothers him um, and I I think that that's I think that's a fair way to say it because like yeah. Utah State's effort here was not necessarily where it needs to be especially defensively I thought they were they were pretty lackluster on that end. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, what this what this shows is why football plays once a week. I mean, yeah. the, you you played two really really physical games. I mean, you watched uh, great Osibor. He he went down briefly at the end of the game with kind of a yeah. weird weird knee injury. It looked it looked like a foul when I watched in real time. It looked like a foul and then another foul and then they replayed it. It looked clean, uh, which is good news. You you always it just yeah you, you never want to see anything like malicious or people get hurt on you know contact. Yeah. Um, but it looked clean. But he just kind of like landed with a straight knee, which is something you never want to do. Uh, anyone who's been on a trampoline knows uh, yeah. that's bad. Um, and he's a big guy, I, but like he was fine. They said afterwards he's fine. Like that's one of those where he's like, if he is just a little bit heavier or a little bit less athletic, yeah, um, that could be a season-ending injury. Injury, but he's he's got really, really he's got a lot of quickness. He's got yeah. he's he's really loud on his feet, so he was able to kind of go down with it and. and He's gonna be fine, but um, man, I like this. That that's why football plays once a week. Like basketball is a physical game, especially these two teams back to back. I don't know if any other teams do that same sequence where you're in Vegas and then in Albuquerque. I would bet nobody doesn't split those games. I mean, yeah. well, nobody wins both. There, there's very few that win both. More than more teams in the conference would lose both than would win both. Those are tough, tough places to play um i think that first game unlv that that close close win speaks to the depth of the mountain west where the new mexico game speaks to how high the the top end is the the top of this conference is very very good you mentioned new mexico could be a tournament team i think they should be a tournament team uh we'll see how the rest of the season and the tournament plays out um but the lobos are really really good and the pit is yeah. It's it's an unbelievably tough place to play. You could feel that watching this game. Yeah, they get it. Just it snowballs on you, and it, it snowballed on Utah State. And and I don't think yeah. that they, I don't think they did themselves a ton of favors with the defense. The the defense, like I said earlier, just was not. It wasn't there. Yeah, uh, it they, was, they were. It was, and yeah. I, I I get it, right? Like you're you're tired. The, the UNLV game took a lot yeah. out of the team clearly, <laughs> and they looked tired. They looked like a team that had just played a, a marathon 
you know, 48 hours or 72 hours or whatever it was uh, prior. And that, that makes sense. But they were just a step or, or maybe even two steps slow all night. They were always kind of on the back foot. Um, there were some nice, there were some nice plays, some nice moments. The Martinez run, uh, Mason Foslev played really well, nine rebounds, 19 points, probably his best road performance of the year. One of his best games of the year. I thought Josh Aduja was good. Um, but it, it wasn't, it just, it wasn't going to go. Uh, it was, it was one of those games, you know, I mean, when <laughs> Nellie Joseph, when Nellie, uh, Nellie Jr. Joseph goes 11 of 12 has 26 points and eight rebounds it um you're probably not going to win that game very often and he just he had too many, yeah. he had too many open looks he had too many good looks at the basket it was not the defense that Utah State expects uh, expects of itself and and I think that they um uh, they, they, it seemed from from what I have gathered they got the uh the film review the film study in the following days that you would expect after a game like that that is you're going to get chewed out after that one if yeah. you're playing for a Danny Sprinkle and I yep. think that they, I think that they got the. It seems like they got the message. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton else on this one. Just one of those games. I, I will say I do. We we. I don't know if we talked about him a ton on this show, but I just he's a he's a polarizing figure, and I do want to talk a little bit about Jalen House. I really don't mind Jalen House in general. I don't mind his whole thing. I, I get like I, I think he's he's okay. a, he's a, he's a consistent talking point around the Mountain West. Yeah. He's a like yeah. I said a polarizing say. a polarizing figure. I don't mind him. I like guys yeah. who play with 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 energy and intensity. I, I, he's he's a really good player. He's a really really talented so player. Um, I do think that he is while being clearly one of the best and, and most dangerous players in the league. He is also maybe more than anybody else I have ever seen play basketball. Just totally unwilling to get out of his own way sometimes. <laughs> just just yeah. absolutely yeah. rigidly committed to doing his shtick. And when the when it's not working, he just gets himself into so much more trouble than he really needs to be in. There was a uh, there was a foul, I don't remember when it was, on, on Ian Martinez where he had a breakaway yeah. layup and House just kind of grabs him and throws him down like dude you get yourself in trouble doing that there's no benefit for it just calm down just settle down a little bit you're like 24 years old you're a grown man you should know better um well it's one of those where he like he he fouled him already on the arm and then he just kind of pulls the arm down as he as he disengages and it's like just just don't do that like you already had the foul you already stopped the play yeah and that's kind of what they that's kind of like the wink and nod what they teach you there like they you know yeah, they they want you to foul, but they want you to foul from from the front. You don't go low. You don't go from behind. Like you get in front, and you just kind of wrap them up. Yeah, but you don't you don't pull down as you disengage. You don't push as you disengage. You kind of pull down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and and the reason I laugh when you say all this is because I I agree, and I actually put as much on Twitter. I like put it out. I was like, I I am not gonna lie to you guys. Like I don't understand the the Jalen House hate. Yeah. But I got zero likes on the tweet. It was hilarious. Like. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was going to do numbers, but like it nothing, like it yeah. fell on deaf ears to our, our Aggie faithful. And I'm not like, I'm not big on that app. I don't, I don't have a, yeah. an overly large following, but zero likes is um, usually somebody agrees with what I say when I'm talking Aggie sports and nobody, it was yeah. crickets. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny because I, I'm with you. I, I don't understand the hate. And like, I almost went back and deleted it because I was like, did I, is it, did I miss something with this guy? Like, did I, 
has he done something yeah, in the past that I've missed? But is he I like a bad like guy? Yeah, is he like a known yeah, like bad the, guy? Like, I don't know. He just seems he like he, he plays a little bit too hard sometimes. I don't. Yeah, I don't he plays really... hard, but there were also moments where, like, his teammates would be arguing with the ref, and he'd be the one pulling the yeah. jersey back. Like, he, I think he's got a really high basketball IQ. Um, he just forgets that he does sometimes. Like, yeah. I think he forgets how smart he is sometimes, and he'll, he'll let his emotions get the best of him. Yeah. But he's also, I think, the emotional leader on that team, and he has the ability to pull guys away from, from – you know, precarious situations. So I, yeah. I don't understand the hate. I really, I understand hating, like playing against him. I really like him though. He's, he's a fun player to watch. Yeah. That whole team is really fun players. Like they're fun players to watch. Dude. seems like all their dads played in the NBA. Yeah. Um, it's Dude. just, it's crazy. They're a fun squad. I'm glad we don't have to go back to the pit um, again because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's brutal down there, but it's a fun team. I like them. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy just, interacting with new mexico fans as well they really they really know their stuff it's a it's a it's a good fan base and uh yeah agree I, I i said something to kind of a similar effect on house and that was basically the, the basically the response i got from new mexico fans is like when he is at his best he is it is so much fun to root for he is like one of the you know like an all-time favorite and then when he yeah. loses himself in the moment it is like it <laughs> It, it is uh it is like pulling teeth it is just miserable and like yeah that 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 makes sense it is i would imagine it is very frustrating to have that yeah to have that, that happen because I, I don't think that that is um the, the the goal to ever you know have a guy who's just like consistently finding himself in foul trouble that he doesn't really need to be in um yeah but when yeah. he's when he's at his best man he is just he is electric um and then uh, I'll I'll close this this game out with another New Mexico player who I just could not really be more impressed with. Donovan Den is so good. Oh my goodness! Oh, he's so good. Oh, yeah. he's so good. He's so much fun to watch. Fifteen points, fourteen assists, uh, one turnover in in this game. Three steals and two blocks as well. Um, true, so sophomore, good. true sophomore. He's going to be playing in the NBA I, I, probably next year. He's. I, he's I was so, yeah. So, I was just about so to say good. he's probably the first. Uh, he's going to be the first first generation NBA player on this team. Yeah. Everybody else will be second generation. Um, he's, he's blazing a path unless there's something that I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, he, his old man did not play in the NBA, like the rest of the roster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's going to blaze his own path and be a first generation NBA player. Like yeah. he's, he's so good. Yeah. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And I can tie it back into Utah state here. I think people know who recruited that guy. It would be one Eric Brown, who's currently on the staff at Utah state bodes well that, uh, those guards yeah. at New Mexico, you can you can even when they are <laughs> rolling over Utah State at home, uh, you can take some solace in knowing the guy who recruited those guys and who helped to develop those guys is now on Utah State sideline. That will uh, yep. that, that will wor- that will work in Utah State's favor. Those are good guys to have. Donovan Dent, pretty good player to have. Um, he's yeah. he's awesome. He he's really. He's really, really good. He, yeah, he's good. He, he's even better than his stats would indicate. Like watching him live, and his stats are really good. He's he's really impressive. Um, yeah, he he passes the eye test, as they say in the business. Yeah. Uh, last of the three men's games to talk about here, the most recent one, um, <laughs> kind of the least, uh, the the one with the least action of the bunch, but. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I think Utah State could use a little it's a good bit. Thing. Yeah, could use a little bit less excitement in this one. Uh, and they got it, eighty-three to sixty-two victory on Saturday over Fresno State at home. Um, comfortable win. It, it was it was close there for a little bit. Fresno State, as it is wont to do, stuck around, hit some big shots. Isaiah Pope had some big shots. 
um, they, you know, made it tough, was not just going to roll over, and they, they rarely do, but Utah State steps on the gas down the stretch, uh, picks up good games from, I mean, almost everybody who was on the floor, I thought, played really well for Utah State. Uh, just a, a complete a complete win. Um, it was absolutely, I mean, 21, I think, is a fair margin for this one. Uh, that, that felt about right to me. I think it probably could have been even a little bit larger. Uh, Utah State wins the rebounding battle by 15. Shoots pretty well, really well, 55% from the field. Um, 20 assists to 12 turnovers. Turnovers, a little bit of a concern right now for Utah State. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that, but... Um, just good, just a, a good, a really good outing defense stepped up when it needed to great. Osabar yeah. with 20 and 12, Ian Martinez, 14, seven and six, uh, I believe career high for assists for him. Um, Josh Aduji again, off the bench, 12 points. I've been increasingly impressed with him in, in recent games. I think he's played really well in mountain West play. Um, Javon Jackson comes in, plays eight minutes, scores seven points, picks up five, five fouls and finishes with a plus minus of 13. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That is, that is a really funny stat line that (laughs) I don't even, I don't even really know how you do that, but he did it. Um, I also don't really know what it means, but it's good. Yeah. Carson Templin in one minute and 59 seconds has two rebounds and six points. Uh, (laughs) Sure. That's a, that's a good day at the office for him. Um, but yeah, not a, not a ton to really key in on here. Just a solid performance, a solid, solid outing from Utah state. Uh, Yep takes care of business against a team that they should beat and uh and does so does so without a whole lot of a whole lot of issue just looks a lot like a lot of these games that we have seen from this team this year they are usually when they play teams that they should beat they do so and they establish themselves yeah. pretty quickly and then they they pull away down the stretch that is what good teams should do against less good teams yeah no this is a this is a game i was looking for well first of all um you're you're not going to say it so i will you basically called this uh, the final score. Um, so you're, you're being modest when you say yeah. that like this, this played out soon, you know, you're like, Oh, well, it sounds about right. I'm like, yeah, it sounds about right. You saw the future <laughs> and knew it was going to happen. So um, well done on that. What was your, what was your prediction on that? Oh, let me look. I can't remember. Um, It was, it was close. I, I, it was, I, it was really close. I tweeted it. Yeah. I, I, it seems like with the predictions, I either get it pretty much spot on or I, I miss completely. I said 85, 63, um and it landed so as two points in one point yeah 8362 um which was I, I believe i was breaking at least a little bit i i try not to just repeat like whatever the ken prom projection is or whatever like the, the gambling <laughs> line projections are because like what's the fun in that i'm not predicting it somebody else is um yeah. and so i did deviate from those a little bit i think the line was actually like 14 14 or 15 points ken palm had it yeah. Like eighty one sixty five or something like that, um, and so I, I I don't I just didn't really see it with Fresno State uh, if I'm being honest yep. they 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 have they have some guys who are pretty good I love Isaiah Hill uh, five points ten assists in this game not his best outing also had three steals but yeah. I think he's a really good player um, Isaiah Pope is coming along for them I <laughs> I love the idea of two centers in your starting lineup it was not. It was not a, a great day for that, um, for yeah. Fresno State, but I, I like those guys. I, I think that there are things here that whoever the next coach at Fresno State is probably going to enjoy if he can keep them around. But yeah. this current as, as currently constructed, I just don't think that this team has a whole lot of answers, and, and Utah State seemingly came to the same conclusion. And once they, once they shut down the ball screen offense, that was pretty much it for Fresno State. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is a game where, you know, your prediction actually leads into what I was thinking and what I was going to say really well. Like, this is a game that I was looking for to be very, very uneventful. Um, after the UNLV and New Mexico games, this was a game I, if this was a close game either way, you probably had a problem, especially if you're on the, the losing side of a close game. Um, I was kind of expecting a, a non-eventful you know, just a, a regular day at the office, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I was glad when that happened. I think the Fresno is just kind of having a down year. They've had really, really good years in the past, um, and they they won't stay down for long because they compete in the Mountain West Conference, which is uh, where good basketball programs just yeah. live. This is it's what they do. They will unless you are San Jose State or your Air Force, um, you are more often than not very, very good. Always have been. Always will be. Um, but yeah, they're they're having a down year. You saw it on the court. You'll you'll see it the rest of the year. It was uh, yeah, it was uneventful. It was solid. It's just what you needed after those two games, uh, especially going into a bye. You you just needed to take care of business, yeah. rest the legs. You got Boise State coming up on the road. Um, this is exactly what they needed to do. Just exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, I think some enterprising coach is going to find himself very happy at Fresno State next season. I don't imagine that Justin yeah. Hudson is is long for this job. Just hasn't really just hasn't really worked but that's a good program and and they have i mean <laughs> pretty good spot for basketball it, it could be in a much worse place than the valley for uh for building the basketball team especially in the mountain west that is a uh that's a good place to be um but uh yeah not not super eventful probably the biggest things that actually happened on the floor in this game were the two threes that great Osabar made love that love that keeping an eye on that that is um I don't think that that's going to take this year. Uh, I think probably that's an off-season project. But, man, you add a couple threes a game into Great Osibor's resume, even if he's he's shooting 50% this year on a on a six-shot sample size, you just yeah. he, if he's like a 30% three-point shooter taking two or three a game, he's going to he's going to make some money. <laughs> he's going to make some money at the yeah. next level doing yeah. that. Um and he's going to be pretty much impossible to deal with cuz if you have to guard that guy on the perimeter with how good he is as a dribbler, with how good he is as as, a, as you know on the dribble drive and and finishing and also you have to dedicate your center to, you know, following him out to the perimeter and opening up the paint completely. There's just no good. he's going to score 25 points a game. There's no there's yeah. no solution for that. Um beyond just like fouling him and hoping that he misses the free throws and he's not even really doing that anymore um i don't know what you do about this guy he's <laughs> he's, he's really good and he in this one like i said 20 points 12 yeah. rebounds on eight of 10 shooting two threes um and he did it as danny sprinkle said after the game on a hyper extended knee he hyper extended his knee against new mexico uh danny yeah. sprinkle said he was fine he came back out three or four days later whatever it was and put up 20 and 12 while playing on a hyper extended knee that is yeah, he's... crazy. He's a cyborg. This guy is it's, it's <laughs> the joys of youth. He's made out of rubber. He's just he's yeah. good to go. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he's he's a good one to have. He's going to, like you said, if he can develop that stroke from deep, he's uh, he's going to make some money. I, I think he might make some money either way. Yeah. He's, he's probably a a professional basketball player. I, I don't know yet what league that will be in or what country – yeah, he will be in, but but he's gonna if he wants to, there will be an opportunity for him to to line his pockets playing the game. Yeah, man, I I'm just I, I don't know, like I don't I don't have a projection right now for whether or not he's going to be looking professionally after this season or if he's going to stick it around for one more year. I would guess just from talking to him and and from what I know about his career that 
if he has another year that he can play with this coaching staff and, and just in general and of college basketball, I think he's going to do it. He's a guy who, from what I have gathered, really likes playing college basketball, really, really enjoys his time that he has spent with, with Sprinkle and with Chris Haslam and, and, you know, sees the, the development now and, and gets, you know, he spent two years as, as the, the sixth man for Montana state and had successful runs doing that. And now he is in the star role and really seems to be enjoying himself. I would not be surprised yeah. at all if Great Osibor says, you know, okay, let's 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 run it back one more time. Let's add some threes into my game. Let's improve as a passer, and uh, let's make some money. Let's, let's. Yeah, well, and he's made of rubber, so why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, the main concern as well. is usually that you get to the pros as fast as possible, so you don't get hurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, this he doesn't age, so what? What's the rush? There's yeah. no rush. Yeah, this is a uh, yeah, this is Great Osibor after his first off season of preparing for a starring role. He had one. Yeah, he was the, so the last good. two years. He was probably a little bit bigger than they would want him to be for playing this many minutes he took one off season to get to this point he's playing like 34 minutes a game and averaging basically a double double in the mountain west um, yeah which is not easy to do man he would be an all-american candidate next season if he if he he's probably an all-american candidate this season he, he should be this season oh, i don't man. know i don't know if he will be if this continues though he yeah. will be next year man he will be next year. What a player. What an unbelievable player he is. This podcast is going to become yeah. uh, to to a great Ossipor what it was to Ike Larson. And will continue afraid. to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to the Great and Ike show. We're just talking about Great Night. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's yeah. All... So if you don't like Great Ossipor and, uh, and Ike Larson, I don't know. What, I, sorry, I don't know to tell you. If you is, if you uh, don't like, yeah, if you don't like those guys, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, I don't know. But maybe fandom isn't for you if you can't get down with those yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, um, like those two very very good, few, very likable players. Utah fans still listening, hoping to get yeah. the news that Ike is Ike is going to the transfer portal um, any day uh, now, probably. fellas. Yeah, yeah, any, any day, day now. now. Could be. Um, yeah, no, it's he's uh, really good. Yeah, awesome. they both are, but Austin Boy is very, very good. Yeah, he's really good. Um, last thing from this game that was not actually within oh, yeah. the the span of the the forty minutes of the game, but did happen obviously on the floor. Um, and you know was really cool. And I I, I you know gave it uh, gave it its own its own section in the Aggie of the game note for the notebook. Uh, Wild Bill inducted as the first ever uh, member of the Herd Hall of Fame, which is a new thing at Utah State. I don't know if the plan is to actually eventually add more people to the Hall of Fame or if it is just for him. I think either one would be fair. Um, He is, uh, I I think everybody listening knows about Wild Bill. Um, Nobody more deserving. Uh, Really, really just love to see that, that, uh, you know, that little moment for him and, and to see him honored and, and enshrined in the, in the spectrum. Um, really cool, really, really cool yeah. moment. Very happy for him. No, like I said, nobody deserves it more. Um, just awesome. Awesome that they, that they thought to do that and, and that they, uh, yeah. <laughs> that they could get it done. That is, um, I, I don't know. I don't know who that, who that decision came from. I don't know if that was, you know, how long that's been in the works, but man, that is, uh, that's yeah, really, really cool stuff. Know. That's really good. Yeah. For those who know Bill's story from, from the, you know, the seats in the spectrum to his personal life, to see him there, um, standing there and, and to be able to accept that award was, was yeah. really, really cool. Not, not even just in a, 
oh that was interesting or he was so funny yeah um it's cool that they're honoring him it was it was very very cool and i think for for some uh me included i wasn't there unfortunately i was i stayed home so i could catch the uh, the women's game we'll just talk about it in a minute but like um very touching to see that gesture yeah um wild bill i i'm not alone in this he is a huge huge part of my early years of basketball fandom at utah state um half of the the fun to going to games when i was young was seeing what wild bill would would dress up as uh, i remember sitting in the stands in section q at the top and in the second half actively rooting for a shooting foul because i wanted to see <laughs> while Bill take his shirt off and start dancing. Um, that was uh, a, just a huge part. And it was very, very cool to see him honored. I think there are a few people in Utah State history that like their their ability and, and what they were able to accomplish uh, coincided with just serendipitous timing and, and was able to like be transcendent. And I, I don't think I'm speaking in hyperbole when I say that Wild Bill is one of those. Yeah. I think Stu Morrill is one. Uh, you know, he was a fantastic coach. And people will often remind me that Utah State basketball had success before Stu Morrill. Yes. I don't care. What yeah. he was able to accomplish while he was there, um, he got us. I mean, he got he he helped get us to the Mountain West and build a is from a successful program to a wagon that we are now reaping the still reaping the benefits of. Yeah. I think Gary Anderson's another. Um, getting to a program when it was on life support and turning it around the, you know, the first time we don't talk about this in time, but um, turning it around uh, you know, program on life support to a top 25 team. I think wild bill is the same way. Um, he, he transcended Aggie basketball. He was um, he got a lot of eyeballs on the sport and on Utah state in, in, an, in a unique way. Um, it's, it's impossible to measure his impact on the sport and on the community because they don't have stats for fans. Yeah. Um, I, to go back to your first point, I don't know what the plan is with the Hurt Hall of Fame. Part of me, most of me, um, let me, let me say it this way. Actually, there's a part of me that would think it would be very interesting to see who else gets into that Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, but I, I deeply hope it's just him. I think that should be an honor reserved for Wild Bill. There's just not anyone like him. There will never be anyone like him. Um, and it's not that everybody that comes after him is a, is a copycat. It's just that what Wild Bill was able to do, the way he was able to do it, when he was able to do it, um, it's it's just not something that you can match, and that honor belongs to to him and him alone. There will yeah. never be another Wild Bill, and there will never be a fan as big as Wild Bill. Right? Yeah, I would love to see that he just is the Hall of Fame because that's really that's really what it is. He's yeah. he's incredible. Yeah, a one man a one man Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I I'll also give a a, a quick shout out. I, I referenced the the mid-major madness story in the notebook if you want to go click that link but you could also just search mid-major madness wild bill and, and the story will come up i would recommend reading it uh, a story from a couple of years ago just about him and and sort of the the, the kind of a, a full retelling of like you know everything going on that that you didn't see in, in the spectrum and a really really touching really good story um yeah. one of the there's a there's a pretty significant section in there um and i was also I did not make the trip on Saturday, so I was also watching on TV. Um, and I mentioned because there's a pretty significant section in the story about Gary Wilkinson and his friendship with Bill and and his his I think now wife, but maybe at the time girlfriend's friendship with Bill and uh, their their kind of long running relationship with him and and you know just what he meant to to them and what they meant to him. Um, Gary on the call for for this game. 
uh, I just want to laud his uh, professionalism. And I, I, in general, I've been really impressed with everything he's done on the broadcast for, for you know two years now, and I don't know how long he's been doing it, but I've seen him on the broadcast for two years. Um, that that uh, no one would have... <laughs> no one would have blamed him for a second for being, you know kind of overwhelmed by the moment because they referenced it on the on the broadcast um and he wasn't he just you know just kind of played played it off and i i think that he you know if he wanted to he could have absolutely gone into you know more more detail about his friendship with bill and and just about all that but he just just talked about you know how uh, how important he was as a fan um Gary is a uh, he's a pros pro. I, I really really yeah, I yes. cannot compliment him enough for the the work that he does, <laughs> especially when uh, during the span of a broadcast you might have his partner calling Danny Sprinkle Danny Sparkle or saying John <sighs> Hudson instead of Justin Hudson several times or uh, I don't know referencing for <laughs> the forty fifth time in a season that Isaac Johnson's from Utah. Okay, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you said this yeah, earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna not comment on that part. Um, <laughs> what I'm gonna do instead is I will I will add my recommendation to the mid major madness um, article. If you have not read it, I would recommend reading it. Um, I would also add my applause to to Gary Wilkinson. Yeah, and that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not yeah. gonna. <laughs> yeah. He is really really good. He's um, very he's, good at what he does. Very professional, yeah. and I think the the way he handled the Wild Bill thing. Um, was was awesome he handled it with poise and and made it personable in a way that did not make it about himself and I think that was probably on the front of his mind is how do I how do I allow this to be about Bill and not about me and he 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 nailed it it was beautiful it was awesome it was very very well done uh that that he has stories that will be told and have been told in different times that he feels are more appropriate yeah and he just let Bill have his moment and it was it was very very cool yeah, yeah. Wilkinson is is fantastic I've enjoyed him yeah he he is I, I mean I don't know if I could have done that he he is really he's really really impressive he's really good at what he does I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to him because we don't talk about the actual broadcast stuff a ton but he it is not just like a uh, oh you know former player just grab him for the for, for the color commentary just plug him in and, and hope that he can get through his yeah. sentences like no he's he's really really good at what he does i, I think utah State's yeah. very lucky to have That's, him in that yeah. in that role doing that because he's just like really good you, at it. do you know how many former players there are like there's <laughs> there's so many of them uh there's a reason only some of them end up on a mic uh and he does a fantastic job I think. yeah yep all right there's a, there's a few that there's a few former players that do a great job but i, I think wilkins in right now is the He's fantastic. Yeah, bright, uh, bright career. I think in front of him as he as yep, he continues so. down this path. He's he's really really good at what he does. Um, okay, let's uh, let's transition here to the women's basketball side of things. We have three games to talk about on this side as well. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. Probably not going to go into quite as much detail on these as we did with the men's side. Because um, frankly, we've got three blowouts here to talk about. Three blowout losses at Fresno State, uh, home against Nevada, and at Boise State. Um, man, it's, uh, it's, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's getting worse. Um, we, I, well, you, you go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was, I think the last time we talked about it on this show, they had just played or either were about to play 
uh, New Mexico on the road very close, lost by four. I think they had just played. I think we recorded right after they finished that game. And um, not that long prior, they had played Wyoming close at home. Uh, New Mexico, for, for reference, just for contextualizing, like that was not just, oh, they played a bad team close. Uh, New Mexico just went to, yeah, went to UNLV, which is the class of the conference, one of the best teams yep. in the country, top 25 team, yep. and beat them on the road. Um, New Mexico is good. <laughs> New Mexico is a good, good, good basketball team. Um, only losses in conference play are to Boise State and Colorado State, which are also good, and just beat UNLV on the road. That's a good team, and Utah State played them very close, probably should have won the game, and followed that up with a 26-point loss at Fresno State, a 45-point doubling up at home against Nevada, and then a 35-point loss at Boise State. Um <sighs> Man, it's uh, I'll you know cede the floor to you here because you've been you've been watching it and and yeah. working your way through it. But it is uh, it's it's rough, and this has happened before with with this program with this team. Last year they had a similar stretch where they played some close games, they almost got some really big wins, and then it seems like the the weight of that and not being able to break through just kind of kind of breaks the dam, and and they sort of they sort of spiral into some really not competitive losses. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you say, you say that we have three games to cover and and we don't, we have one game that they've played three times in a row. Yeah. Um, they, as you mentioned, they play a competitive game at the pit and then they just kind of came unhinged a little bit and they just have been blown out by, Fresno State, Nevada, Boise State, three games in a row. Fresno State, Nevada scored season highs. Did Boise State? I don't think Boise State did, but they scored a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not not a season high for them, but close. Um, just um, <laughs> hard to watch a little bit. Like that's that's not a term I want to use with this team, and I, I think I've been. I've been pretty clear on Twitter and, and in the past with, with my feelings about this team. I think there are, are it, it wouldn't be fair to the, the girls on this team to say that it's hard to watch, but the team is three, uh, uh, three and 16. Um, yeah, there's, there's clearly something that's not adding up. Um, so let's, I mean, so I mean, good, the good, the good first and then the bad, like the good, the good about this team. And as I've said on online, the team has talented players. Uh, and this is something that I, I feel strongly about. It's something I, if I I say it all the time, and I will continue to say this until the season's over. I watch a ton of college women's basketball. I watch a lot of it. I watch every single game that they that Utah State plays. I watch a lot of the other teams in the conference. Um, I watch Iowa because Caitlin Clark is unbelievable. I, I like to watch, like, say, uh, South Carolina. Like, I watch a lot of Division One women's basketball. And I can confidently tell you that every single player on this roster is a division one basketball player. Yeah. Um, in, in one way or another, every single player on this roster would find a role on any other division one team. It's, yeah. it's not a talent issue. A lot of them um, have, a lot of players on the team have had roles on other D1. Yeah. Teams. A lot of them have, and a lot of them will. Uh, it's, it's no secret. Retention is a huge issue with this program. And we're going to see, um, some players, I mean, it, it happens at every team every year. Um, a lot of these will go and have very bright careers elsewhere that they are good players. Um, yeah. 
at, at the very least, they are formidable players. There are some players that we'll talk about, uh, especially Gracie Johnson in a second. Um, there are some really, really good players. Um, so I, like that's the first thing I want to get out of the way. Anytime someone asks me about this team, like what's wrong? And clearly something is wrong. They are three and 16. Um, three and 15? Yeah, three and 15. Track. Three yeah. and 15. Am I hopefully not seeing into the future there? Uh, um, we'll I see. Think you are. I probably... <laughs> Um, so that's the first thing. The team is talented. Now, yeah. what does that mean? It means there's talented girls on this roster. That's all. It yeah. doesn't mean the roster is perfect. It doesn't mean the roster is good. Yeah. You have talented players. We've seen talented players at every level of basketball not play well together. Yeah. The NBA, men's basketball, women's basketball. So I don't think the players are blameless in, in this. I don't know that they're playing as hard as they could be. I don't blame them. They're yeah. three and 15. They've lost a lot of games and they keep losing games. Um, people keep, you know, asking me what is with the coaching staff? Is it, is it, is this on the coaching staff? I mean, yes, they're the ones in yeah. charge. Yeah. Um, Blake Anderson was not safe on this podcast from criticism. Kayla art is not safe from criticism. No. Um, she has not done a very good job. Again, this is not news. They are three and 15. I, I'm not telling you anything that, that they don't know. Yeah. I, Kayla art knows that they are three and 15. Um, it's a game plan issue. It is a roster composition issue. It's a momentum and a mindset issue. They're three and fifteen. It's hard to win games when you're three and fifteen. Yeah. Um. So to, to the people that ask me on Twitter and then you know when I'm hanging out, people ask me about this team. Um. What's wrong? I'm like, okay, well, on Twitter, I have a limited characters, guys. I, <laughs> I, how long do you have? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of issues because they are three and fifteen. Um. I do believe in a lot of these players and that's kind of what I want to focus on this, this conversation on because we can only rehash what's going on so much, but like we also have to be honest with where they are and they just lost three brutal games. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Um, And I don't know, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what the future looks like for the rest of the season and beyond. Um, And that's not something I can or want to get into. Um, I think they should try something new. I, because what they're doing is not working. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a person that wants to sit on, you know, in my podcast chair or on Twitter and call for people's jobs and call for people to be cut from the team. That's not my style, Yeah. but I will say whatever's happening right now is not working. Something needs to change. And this is not the expectation that Utah state needs to be okay with. Um, because as I've mentioned in some of the, the articles I've written, you know, the, the, um, the recaps of these games, these are, in theory, pure institutions. Yep. Uh, it's one thing to go lose to UNLV. They are a top team in the country. They are the women's version of what San Diego State is every year. They are very, very good. Yeah. I don't mind losing 107 to 68 in Vegas. I wish it was closer. You're going to lose that game. Yeah. I don't mind losing to Wyoming. That was a lot more competitive than it probably should have been. 54-48, Wyoming's good. Um, losing to three teams, Fresno State, Nevada, Boise State, that we are competitive with in every other sport uh, and that the mountain West has decided that our schools are compatible enough to bring them into our little club. And this should never happen. You should not lose 90 to 64, 89 to 44, 76 to 41 to three peer institutions without any major injury or anything going on off the court. That's visible. um, That would prevent you from playing a competitive game. Yeah, uh, they were ran off the court all three games. They did not look competitive, I think, for one minute of any of these games, um, and that is not the expectation that Utah State should have with this team. So, yeah, 
there. I, I'll I'll step off my soapbox for a minute and let you let you get a word in, but that's where that's where I'm at. Yeah, and it, I mean it's not really like there have been bad teams in the in the Mountain West. There have been teams that struggle. It's not the, the league in the women's on the women's side is not what it is on the men's side. It's still for the most part a one bid league and, and has been for a little while now. I think that that's starting yeah. to change. You're seeing. You're seeing so. programs start to build more. You're you're seeing good programs build up. You obviously UNLV, that success is fairly recent. They have a good history, but they they weren't this <laughs> until they were. Um, but like Colorado State's taken a lot of steps forward. Wyoming has yes, improved. Yes. New Mexico, San Diego State, like the pro- programs are building. They're starting to improve. Boise State has had nearly two decades of of significant success now under the same coach. And yep, yep. there is just like San Jose State and and you know Fresno State and and Nevada are all kind of they they've been near the bottom of the league in recent years. They're still kind of near the bottom of the league. They're all competitive. They are they are all competitive. San Jose State is competitive and won like six games last year. They're competitive in year two. Um, they're improving. <laughs> you can you can see it. It's yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty clear. Um, there's no reason. There's no like. There, there's no actual foundational, functional reason that Boise State should be able to have nearly two decades of sustained success under one coach, and Utah State can't. There's nothing. Yeah. There's not like Boise State is throwing billions of dollars at women's basketball. It just. It's just not. Um, it, it is just there. That's there's there's nothing that should be separating. Utah State and Nevada by forty-five points in the spectrum. Um, yeah, that yeah, it's absolutely. just there's there's no reason for it. There's no actual backing of that. It's just the way that it is, <laughs> and there's no there's there's no good explanation for that. Um, and yeah, there there are like I I you know we've talked about it on the show before. There are clearly talented players throughout the roster. Cheyenne Stubbs had seventeen points at Boise State and and has had seventeen points. It seems like about. 18 times this season and is up around 20 yeah. and, and 17 and around that range and has been all year. And she she's dropped a 30 piece at UNLV. Yeah. She's a really good player. Um, <laughs> Gracie Johnson, true freshman had eight blocks. I believe that's a school record. Um, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty good day. <laughs> that's a pretty good day for a yeah. true freshman. Um, and like, there's just, there's, there's talent, there's talent on the team. I, I, I think that there is, you know, it's it's hard to it, it almost goes without saying. Like, yeah, this isn't this isn't working. This is some, clearly this is not working. Clearly, being three and fifteen is not it's not working. Um, and I don't think that it is because they have you know like I don't think they have a D two roster. I don't think that this is a roster no. of of just like oh well this is a JUCO roster that has been planted into the Mountain West. Like these are talented players. These are players who would have roles for other schools in a conference that is not loaded with top end teams. Um, there's no, there's no reason they should be doing this. There's no reason that this should be the product of the roster that they have. There is just the stuff we've been talking about for, for, you know, the entire season stuff I was talking about last season, just no clear plan, no real organization, what they're doing. They had three assists and 21 turnovers at Boise state. Um, uh, just kind of throwing them out there and, and hoping for the best and, the result is the same as it as it has been. Yeah. Um. You can't win. You can't win games like that. You just 
you just can't. It doesn't. Yeah. There's no way if you're doing that. There's no way you're going to be able to recruit a roster talented enough to overcome your own lack of preparation. It's just not going to happen. There's no reason. Yeah. For, there's no. There's no. There's nothing to sell if you can't sell a solid organization and a solid plan. It's something. It's just. It's just not working. It's just not working, and it it, it continues to not work. And it is. You know. It's really. It's it's really frustrating to to see this team have to try and work through that and struggle through it because like, yeah, they should be better. I, I, I pretty clearly, I think they should be better than they are. Um, and I don't really, I have a, I have a really hard time putting that at the feet of, of the players. I, I think that they're, yeah. there yeah. should be, they should be getting more results from what they have as basketball players, from what they have as individuals than they are seeing on the floor. Yeah. And I, and, and I want to reiterate, like, I, I mean, this is what I do professionally or at least somewhat professionally i spend a lot of time doing this and like i i'm not saying this to be respectful to the players although that is something we try really really hard to do at the act ship i'm not saying that because i don't like calling out amateur athletes although again that's something we try hard to do um i'm saying that because it's it's true and i don't have a problem saying that the the roster composition is is a problem and i don't think the players are are doing all that they can um, but as I mentioned, like I, I have some sort of, you know, room to say this. I, I know what I'm talking about here. This is not a, a talent issue. These players are talented. I'm saying that because they're talented, uh, not because I want to be respectful to these, to these student athletes. Yeah. Um, it's there, there are issues with the way the talent's being used and deployed. And I think there's motivational issues there's probably conditioning issues i don't know what's happening in the locker room in the weight room and, and at practice with this team um but it's it's really hard to to pin this three and 15 record solely on the players um and 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 none, i'm not even fully on the coaching staff either i mean yeah. it's it's they're the they're the professionals they're the adults in the room um it's more on them than anyone else but there's also just an element of you're three and 15 and momentum is against you and yeah. that is probably on the coaching staff to break or, or one of the players to try to step up and be to go above and beyond. But I don't know. I don't know what you have there. I don't know what the leadership is like. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Cheyenne Stubbs is very, very good at basketball. I think she's, uh, she's worth a drive to the spectrum just to see her alone. I, I get dizzy watching her sometimes. <laughs> she's so, so good. And then you mentioned Gracie Johnson. I just want to mention her again. Um, she is a superstar in the making. She is so good. Um, yes, she is related to Isaac Johnson on the men's team. Uh, Johnson is a, is a common name, but yes, they are related. They are yep. siblings. Uh, she's six five, and the way she moves, you would not guess that she's six five. Yeah. Um, a lot of times on on the men's and the women's side, uh, you'd see. I think she's the tallest player in the conference. If if I am hearing that right, I actually haven't checked, but they said that on the broadcast the other day. Yeah. Um, so I actually have no idea. I will fact check that and, and let you guys know on, on next week's show. Either way, she is one of the tallest players in the conference. She's the tallest one I've seen. And a lot of times you see like the tallest player in the conference in any conference on men's or women's. Uh, they kind of, they do that giraffe run where they don't really know how to move both legs at once. Yeah. Uh, and they look, they look lanky. They look slow and uncoordinated. You can't tell any of that with Gracie Johnson. She looks so in control of her body. It helps that she is the younger of two 
Division One athletes. Her brother uh, Isaac, or yeah, Isaac is here at Utah State. She had a brother Spencer at BYU. Um, she has two older brothers that she probably played with a lot. Um, she's so good. Uh, you've already seen in the eight games that she's played, she she had an injury early, didn't play a lot. She's on, I think, a pretty uh, pretty limited playing time, and it's it's getting more and more. Uh, she played 21 minutes against Boise, uh, her second highest. She played 25 at, at New Mexico. Um, you're already seeing her offense is getting much better. Her stroke from like mid range is is getting a lot better. That's probably about as far as she gets. I, I don't see her as a three point shooter or a deep two uh, shooter, but she's getting very very good at the baseline. Um, her her touch on offense is getting much better. Her ability to move off the ball is getting much better. She is a actual superstar in the making. Um, not just a, a pretty good for six, five or pretty good for Utah state. Um, she is absolutely a superstar the way that, uh, you know, other, you know, the, the way that we remember players on, on the men's side for years and years after, uh, is what Gracie Johnson could shape up to be if she continues on this trajectory that, that she's already on and stays healthy. She is so good. Yeah. Yeah, Utah State needs to uh, keep her around. That would be my recommendation. Uh, keep her, yeah, me too. Keep her around, because um, she is. Yeah, she's the franchise. <laughs> she's the that you could. She's, use, we could use yeah, that kind she's of. She's the future of this team. And, yeah, and you mentioned it too. Eight blocks is an otherworldly number. She's gonna have a double double at some point in her career with blocks and and, and points. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's she's that type of player. She's gonna do and the. People don't know how to react. Like she's really tall for a women's basketball player. Um, and they don't know how to like yeah. not shoot around her, so she will get ten blocks in the game. I, I will tell you right now, she will do that. Yeah, she's gonna do the classic triple double of of points, rebounds, and blocks. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. that classic. Yeah. that classic stat line. <laughs> yeah, that we all know and love. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, she is. Yeah, she she is a cornerstone, foundational kind of player. She's she's been she's been so so impressive through the the ver the very early stages of her of her career. Um. All right, let's uh, let's let's close things out here with a uh, a quick look at uh, we we don't talk about this a ton, but uh, they, not as much as we should. Yeah, they have they have made themselves pretty much undeniable here. We do want to talk very quickly about the Aggies and the pros three specifically. Um, let um, me let, let me stop you right there, Patrick. Pull okay. up the Cavaliers score right now. Okay, let me pull up pull up the box score and look what our guy's doing All before right. we because we're we're talking about him. We're gonna talk about Sam Merrill. Oh, and that's a that's that's a. I want you to. I my a... phone hasn't stopped buzzing for like yeah. the past half hour. Yeah, people keep like telling me like, hey, go look at what Sam's doing. Um, so I pulled it up. I want you to. I want you to see it as well. Okay, that's a hefty score. First of all, we're recording here. It's currently <laughs> yeah. seventy-two forty-seven Cavs over the Maver or over the Magic. Um. Boy, the NBA website for stats is really bad. Um, it is bad. <laughs> let's see it's here. Annoying. Oh, okay. I'm seeing. I, some, I got it right here. If you want. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, six of seven from the field for Sam Merrill. Uh, that also happens to be six of seven <laughs> from three. Uh, he has three rebounds. He has uh, twenty points and a steal. Looks like in the in the first in the first half in thirteen and a half minutes. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. Two of two from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. That's that's. Pretty... I I checked earlier and he was five of five. Yeah, from three, and now he is six of seven. So he's missed one. I don't know why he would do that. Yeah, what happened? Um, <laughs> and so I I mean let's start there because that, I mean as you mentioned as we're recording this at halftime, but I had to bring it up first because 
it's it's happening in real time and i wanted to see what your your thoughts were on that i think it's good (laughs) so i would uh i'd agree with you i think that's very very good sam merrill is having uh, a little bit of a uh, resurgence over there in uh in cleveland Uh, and and i should mention nba champion sam merrill yeah um as as we should we should probably give him the, the the proper respect that he deserves um, he's been seeing a lot of playing time and been, been playing really, really well for Cleveland. Um, Donovan Mitchell has shown him love online, tweeting that he should be in the three point contest. Um, this, this guy's for real. Like it, it is so fun to watch this dude play basketball. Yeah. He's, he has been, he has been just spectacular for the Cavs this season. I think that he has really kind of, uh, finally found a, a like a home in the NBA. You know, he, he'd bounced yeah. around a little bit. Um, but he has really carved out a, a role for this Cavs team. I am like in in theory, I am a Cavs fan. I don't watch the NBA especially especially <laughs> often. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm you know aware of of what he has been of what he's been up to. Um, he's been he's been so good for them these last really the last month month and a half or so and has yeah. uh, has made himself pretty much undeniable they they've got to give him, they've got to give him a role and, and he has he has earned yeah. that role um i'm trying to yeah. pull up this specific monthly sports. yeah i, I yeah, would say in, um i'm also in theory a Cavs fan i don't watch a lot of nba but um, yeah i'm a Cavs fan and also a celtics fan for reasons we will talk about in just a second but okay yeah yeah yeah, he in uh, in December and January he played eight games in in both. He's played eight eight games in both months so far. In December he averaged nine point one points per game. In January he's averaging thirteen point one points per game, shooting thirty eight point nine percent from three, um, four point three rebounds, three point three assists. He is like he's he's full on. He's he's averaging almost twenty five minutes a game. He is a full on rotational player for the Cavs. He is not. Yes. This is not like oh he's just you know he's he's just having a really good a really good run of form. Like no he's he's in the he's like one of the first guys off the bench for the Cavs. He is routinely yeah. playing significant minutes for an NBA team and doing very well while doing so. Um, it's yeah, uh, he's 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 been excellent. He's he he has been absolutely excellent. Um, I think the Cavs are are uh, probably pretty happy about this uh, about this recent development. I think they're probably feeling pretty yeah, good. I would. But, uh, uh, hey, uh, I think we I think we maybe that. found something here. I think we think we might have found a guy. We might have found yeah. a guy who can work out pretty well for us. Um, yeah, and he's uh, they're getting him on a discount right now as well. I think he's still on a two way contract. Yeah, um, that will not think that will not be for long. That will I don't not, think. Yeah, yeah, that will not be the case if that's still true. Um, and he he is a guy that you're gonna get kind of a bargain on him, but they're gonna have to pay him a lot more than they're paying him now. Um, his season high right now is 27, which he did back in January um, against the, the the Jazz. Actually, look at that. Huh. That is so beautiful. Uh, that he did that. He played 30 minutes, uh, was eight of 14 from, from three score 27 points, which is, is just absolutely a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's poetry, uh, right there. And then in his last three games, he's gone 15, 10, 18. And then the, the game he's in right now, um, which he's already scored 20 points. So yeah, he's, he's, he has a career. Like he, he's not just a, um, maybe he'll, he'll play some games and end up in Europe. Like he's, he's an NBA basketball player. He's showing that he's going to have some staying power. They're, they're, he's going to have a contract after this one. Yeah, I do like here they have um, they have like the tracking stats on, on the the NBA stats dashboard. I do like there's two stats here that I think will make a lot of sense to people who have watched uh, Sam Merrill play basketball before. Um, 
on catch and shoot threes this season, uh, before this game, this number will almost certainly go up after the game that he's currently playing. But before this game, he's shooting 45.5% on catch and shoot threes while firing uh, 4.4 per game. Um, when uh, when he touches the ball before shooting for fewer than two seconds, he's shooting 44.1% from three <laughs> and averaging more than five attempts per game. That sounds about right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that, that makes that's sense. just how I remember it. Yeah, yeah that... Uh, yeah. Yeah, the 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 fewer than two seconds of touch time before he shoots is uh, that 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 makes up for seventy seven percent of his three point attempts. Just yeah, has the if ball and then it's if gone. If there's any if there's any San Diego State fans listening to this uh, show, um, they're not anymore. No, I'll tell you that they've turned the they're, podcast they off. They have <laughs> they have logged off and probably thrown their phone. In headphones in the in the garbage they're they're done yeah yeah also uh, he's good yeah also playing well in the nba as you alluded to would be one nimi Iskeda, who is also carving out carving out a role for himself for the uh for the celtics yep. he has been he has been playing well for them he has kind of uh, again sort of like sam just carved out a role and, and made himself kind of hard to take off the floor not playing quite as much not having quite the same breakout season but scoring rebounding playing good defense he's been a really nice piece for them yeah, he spent a little bit of time bouncing around from uh, from Boston to Maine, their G League team. I can't help but think that's just like a playing time issue because when he goes down to Maine, he plays a lot. Um, this is a guy that I'm still really, really high on. This is his first year with the, the Boston Celtics. He was in Sacramento before, which is a terrible, terrible fit. They had a log jam at that position. Um, when he got drafted, I actually uh, emailed the host of um, Locked On Kings and, and was asking him about it. Um, Matt George is his name, does does great work. Uh, and he basically said, like, um, he's going to have to become a rebounding and blocking machine to get time, and even then it might not happen because he uh, he plays center and we have too many. And I was like, oh, boy, do I have a, do I have news for you because he is a shot-blocking and rebounding machine. Yeah. Um, it didn't end up panning out there. It looks like it is uh, more so here. He is getting a lot more time. Um, and one thing that I always like to point out with, with Kata is he – he never really had a lot of time to develop his game when he was in college. He, he signed late as a freshman to Utah state, got over to Utah, uh, like the United States uh, late. Uh, I think after class had started the next year, he was, he was injured. And then the, his third year was COVID that closed gyms. He never really had a full off season. Then going to Sacramento, he was never the priority. Um, I think I'm really high on Kata as, as he gets more time and more attention in the weight room and in, in practice. Um, I just don't think he's ever been able to turn into the player he can turn into, uh, but he's he's carving out some minutes for himself and and, and looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, and and I think that like even if it, it you know long term isn't with the Celtics, other teams will notice the season that he has had for them in in, in limited minutes and. Uh, you know there are there are roster spots to go around and somebody who can yeah. block shots and who can rebound and who can play with that kind of effort and and you know throw down alley oop dunks and all of that. There will always be interest in in a, in a guy like that and of all of athleticism like that. Um, he is uh, yeah he's, he's he's making a name for himself and and just having a really good season. Um, as yeah. as, as I, I would guess yeah no, I yeah I would say both these guys I think are in the league for for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, good, you know, great news obviously for them. Good news for Utah State. That has not, yeah. there's not a ton of uh, of recent, you know, history of Aggies in the NBA, and now you have two who are on the same team who are making waves in the same season, and that's that's a good thing. That's that's you know, yeah, that's same, that's same conference, not the same team. What's that? 
Same conference. No, they were on the same team at Utah State. I mean, um, oh, oh, right. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know how you. No, same. Yeah, same, same conference. Same yes, no, they were. Team, they were yes. on the same team that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I see what you're saying. No, yeah. I mean, technically, cool. they were also in the same conference at Utah State, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were indeed. Yes, yes. yes currently, same conference in the NBA. Um, last of the uh, somehow last of the Aggies and the pros here. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not last in terms of impact and and uh, and uh, the 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 waves that he has made. Um, Jordan Love's uh, debut season as the starter, the full time starter for the Packers, comes to a close with a tough loss in the, um, what is it, the divisional, yeah, divisional round against San Francisco, um, closes out what was really a, a, a very, very impressive season from him. Yeah. Um, started off really strong, had a little bit of a lull there at the end of, uh, the I guess, the middle of, of October yeah. and, and late September, and then figured it back out and was just phenomenal through the last month or so of the season. Helped to lift the Packers to the playoff, uh, to the playoffs. Helped them win a playoff game at <laughs> at Dallas. Really, win would even maybe be understating it. Had a had a tremendous game in that uh, wild card win and closes out an extremely strong and extremely encouraging debut season. That is, speaking of guys making themselves some money, going to make him some money. Jordan Love's about to get paid yeah. a pretty significant amount of money, I think. Yeah, he is going to be a very, very highly paid uh, former Aggie. Um, he's going to make a lot of money, and he's earning it. Um, I'm not sure you could draw up a better season. I mean, this is—I—I I, I don't know anyone who who legitimately thought this is what Jordan Love was going to look like this early. Um, I'm high on Jordan Love. I saw what he did in 2018. I always knew he was going to be a legitimate NFL player. Um, to see what he did in year one surprised even me. Um, I think there was, there was part of me that, that hoped this would happen. I don't think anybody thought this would happen. Um, he's developing so quickly. Uh, they were not even supposed to be a playoff team. And and he kind of willed his team into the playoffs and then beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I think that from, from a Packers fan standpoint, he, he beat the bears twice. He did what he needed to do to, uh, to earn the adoration of, of the Packers fans and, uh, he's certainly making us Utah State fans proud as well. He he played really really well this year. He has an incredibly bright future. He, uh, I mean this I mean this guy is he could win a Super Bowl. I mean we we yeah. could have a Super Bowl champion MVP candidate at some point. There were times in the last eight weeks of of his of the season um, where he like it's like if he played like that for a full year he could be an MVP candidate. And, yeah. and I know I'm a homer. I know there's going to be people that roll their eyes at that. Um, yeah, he could be an MVP candidate, and he's going to win a Super Bowl. Like yeah. that—that's—he's going to. He's yeah, I mean, so good, and he's so young. In the last eight, yeah, in the last eight weeks of the regular season, he had, I, I believe, eighteen touchdowns and one interception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's MVP. If that's not an MVP candidate, I don't know what is. I mean, I, that's on pace to be the MVP of the league. Yeah, and I mean, like, he, that's a lot overall for the full for the full regular season. Even with that that lull where he was he was struggling. Uh, almost 4,200 passing yards, 64.2% completion rate, 7.2 yards per completion, 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And then in the playoff, he adds five more touchdowns with two interceptions, 466 yards, 
67.3% completion rate, 8.5 per attempt uh, or per completion. I mean, that that's that's good. That's like really good. That's that's full on. That's not like, oh, this is a fluke. He's just, you know, he's just getting lucky. Like, no, that's really really legitimately very very top end of the NFL level quarterback play. Um, and there's not really any good reason to think that he won't just keep getting better because, you know, he came on so strong down the end of the season. Um, and it just seems like he was getting more comfortable and, and starting to play like the guy who, who is very recognizable for Utah state fans. He looked like, yeah, he looked like Jordan love. That makes sense. That, that looks like Jordan love to me. Yep. That's (laughs) not a, not a huge surprise to see him doing that. Yep, it's always fun to see him throwing touchdowns to uh, Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, how 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 fun is that for us? Uh, you know that we're around in 2018 and saw those guys play play against each other. I mean, this yeah. is this is really fun. I mean, yeah. he's he's really good. Um, the fact that we haven't talked about him on the show is not a reflection of of what he's been doing. It's a reflection of um, we have our own football team and then yeah. two basketball teams to talk about. Yeah. It is uh, we would talk about this guy every week if we had the time. Um, and, and we, we made time today because those three, uh, it's impossible not to talk about, uh, Merrill, Kata and love, but, um, he's, I don't think we're, you know, no, I don't think there's any Aggie fans that aren't aware of what he's doing, but it's, yeah. it's just worth talking about. He's, he's been so good. He's going to make a lot of money. Um, he's going to win some games. I mean, he's, he, this, and again, this was his first, first year as a yep. starting quarterback. Pretty good. It's crazy. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We will be back later in the week with a, uh, a preview of that Boise State basketball game from the men's team coming up on Saturday. Uh, we will talk to you all then.